0: the holy gospel according to saint mark the 4th chapter 5th actually the 5th chapter uh, when jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side a great crowd gathered around him and he was by the sea then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and when he saw him fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhaging stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it, but the woman knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling, fell before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? child is not dead but sleeping and they laughed at him but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was he took her by the hand and said to her Talitha kum which means little girl get up and immediately the girl got up and began to walk about she was 12 years of age at this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. When I was in college, I, many, many years ago, I had a poster on the wall of my dorm room. And I had that poster there, I think, for all the time I was in college. And it was one of those pictures that had been taken, I think, by one of the Apollo astronauts of the Earth, you know, from outer space, that wonderful blue planet with the water, the blueness of the water against the darkness of space. And then there were these swirl of white clouds going across the planet. And it all popped out so much more because of the the blackness of, of space and the poster area around it. And at the bottom of that poster were the words, he is the still point in the turning world. Those words became very important to me even during my college years. The first Monday of my junior year of college, I got a phone call from my mom. And it was one of those phone calls where you know the moment you hear somebody say, hello, that there's something wrong. And my parents had gotten a phone call from the family physician. I'd had the annual physical type thing a couple weeks beforehand. And the doctor had called to say there was something wrong with my heart. There was an appointment on Friday that week with a cardiologist. That was the beginning of a lot of of uncertainty in my life that year. Found out that I'd had a birth defect that nobody had ever accurately diagnosed before. And it meant I needed surgery. It wasn't critical that I have it right away. But if I didn't have it at all, quite frankly, I wouldn't be here today. I would not have likely lived to the age of 40. But having that surgery, it was scheduled for June the next year, after school was out. The only person I knew at that point in my life who'd had any kind of heart surgery made it through the surgery but died the day after. And this was somebody my family knew, and he was only in his 40s. It was kind of like, no surgery, my life is cut short. Surgery, and I may not have another 12 months to live. My world was spinning very much out of control. And that poster and those words helped me. Not only then, but obviously I've remembered that throughout all of these years. I did have the surgery, I'm here, and I'm fine. But uh, you know. They, it was still a very traumatic, difficult, chaotic time in my life. The writer of Lamentations knew that same sort of feeling very, very well. You see, Israel had been invaded and conquered by the Babylonians, and the temple had been destroyed. And for many people, that meant God had been conquered. Maybe at least and all but the poorest of people had been forcibly deported to Babylon. Everything that God had promised seemed to be totally thrown out the window. Life was a matter of chaos. The world was upside down and inside out. Jairus and the woman with the hemorrhage in our gospel text, they too knew a world that was spinning wildly and out of control. For Jairus, the only thing that mattered was his daughter and she was on the verge of dying. For the woman, she had spent 12 years being basically an outcast in her community because of her illness and she had now become poverty-stricken, trying to find a cure. And Each of them, in their own way, reached out to Jesus with, you know, even maybe just a shred of hope left that he would be able to help them. For the woman, she was in this crowd and said, if I can just touch his garment. Didn't have to ask anything, didn't have to do anything, just touch his garment. And she did, and immediately, Notice that, immediately she felt in her body that she was well. Jesus also immediately knew that something had happened. And he turned around and said, okay, who touched me? You know, as the text says, the disciples say, you know, this is a huge crowd, what are you talking about? Who touched you? Probably a dozen people had touched him but what does this mean? But the woman knew, and she came forward with fear and trembling and told Jesus the whole story. And not knowing, was she going to be scolded? was, Was she going to be condemned for what she had done? Was she going to even be cursed? Something worse happened. Jesus' first word to her, Daughter, daughter he welcomed her into his family with that word he brought her in and then he released her from first her fear and second from her illness going forward from that point on nothing more of her illness now they had been on the way to Jairus's house to heal his daughter when all of this took place. And I don't know about you, but if I had been Jairus in that position, I would have been pretty impatient at that point. You know, Jesus stopping, taking care of this woman, and hearing her whole story? That took precious, precious time away from healing his daughter, possibly from her life. And yes, the word came. She had died. Everything looked like, you know, what now? No hope. You know, it was over. Every reasonable person would have said, yes, there's no need for the teacher to come anymore, for Jesus to be there. She was dead. In Jesus' words, do not fear, only believe. Jesus gave Jairus a still point and he went to that house and he took the little girl by the hand and immediately again she got up. Jairus came with trust, with hope and it came. That healing came, not the way he expected it to, but it came. So what is this still point? What is this that brings into the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty and the fear of life a point that we can hang on to? Chesed. No, I didn't just cough or gargle, okay? That's a Hebrew word. It means God's steadfast love. That's how it's translated mostly throughout all of Scripture. Chesed stands for God's love for the people without... And it's maintained independent of anything the people might do. And we hear in Lamentations the very first words about God's steadfast love, God's faithfulness. It never ends. God's faithfulness is sure in spite of all of the calamities, in spite of how we feel, and in spite of all of the evidence to the contrary. In the Old Testament, that steadfast love of God first comes through the promise to Abraham and then again at Sinai with Moses. For us, and in the New Testament, that is the new promise, the new covenant that comes through Jesus' death, resurrection, and life. God's steadfast love has nothing to do with who we are, or what we do. It has everything to do with who God is and who God promises and what God promises. God's faithfulness and love is a th- constant theme throughout all of the Bible. God's mercy and grace, God's forgiveness god sending his own son into the sinful and often god forsaking world none of that makes any sense without god's faithfulness jesus death would have no power his resurrection would not be possible without god's faithfulness holy communion that we're going to uh, partake in in just a few minutes It would be nonsense without God's faithfulness. This worship service, every prayer we pray would be a joke without God's faithfulness. Eternal life, heaven, they would be unimaginable without God's faithfulness. Faith would be a delusion without God's faithfulness. We would be left with despair God's faithfulness is everything without it we become nothing and we really have nothing to live for except momentary pleasures which come and go and then there's those other moments we can go at times for days and weeks months even years without something horrible happening in life But we learn early on, we learn early on, that all it takes is a moment for all of that to change. You've had those moments. Might be a phone call, might be a diagnosis, it might be a natural disaster, an illness, an injury, the death of a loved one, a relationship that doesn't end well. There are times when we feel like the writer of lamentation, lamenting in a world out of control. There are times when we feel like Jairus or the woman with the, with the illness and our world is topsy-turvy and upside down and inside out. We can't be like the woman and reach out and physically touch Jesus' garments. But we can reach out with our faith, with our words, with our prayers, with our cries, and reach them to God, knowing that God hears, that God does care. God's steadfast love demands that of God. It's not something we have to ask for. There is one more important little piece, and I alluded to it earlier. We can be assured that God hears and cares when we cry out. But there's always a forward motion to God's love. God did. Jesus did not change the past for the woman with the hemorrhage, but his healing. That healing of her released her for a new future, a possibility that would never have existed without God's steadfast love in her life. Jairus's daughter came back to life, not to the illness that she had, but to a life where she could thrive and grow and have a future and grow up a future she would never have had before. There's this forward motion that draws us, by God's love, into a new future, that those swirling, chaotic times give up a path forward, even in the midst of the problems, which is what happened with Lamentations and the people of Babylon, or people of Israel deported to Babylon. They had years there in Babylon, but it gave them a still point, a way to move forward with hope, even in the midst of those times. And that's what that still point of God's faithfulness, God's steadfast love does for our lives too. Gives us that point of quiet, in the midst of the chaos, a point of hope in the midst of the despair, a point that we can begin to move forward by the power and strength of God's love. We just sang one of those wonderful hymns that many of us know Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's based on the words of lamentation that we read today. It is my hope that the words of the refrain of that hymn gets stuck in your head and your heart this week. And that you keep hearing it over and over and over. Because it's true. And I encourage you, I even challenge you, every single day to look for and to find at least 10 ways where God has been faithful in your life or that you see that in the world around you. I guarantee you there's more than ten. But I encourage you to look for at least ten of them. God is faithful. God's steadfast love is always with us. It's new every single morning. And it will not end. He is the still point in our turning world. Amen and hallelujah.